0: So let's just pray, and then we'll get right into it. And I think it'll be encouraging. Who would like to pray? How about Bill? Bill, would you pray and just open this up? Okay. Thanks.
1: Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this time to this, bit. bless this class that we may be able to be receptive mm-hmm. of what we hear today, that we may hear your word on evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, just show us what you want us to do, and be with us and guide us, and, and uh, help those that need your care. in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. So I am excited to be here and I'm excited about what God's doing in this church. I'm so excited about Randall and Tim and your heart for evangelism and all you guys in here and how you desire to learn how to be a light right here in Ignacio. Look at these stats, I think they're on the beginning of your notes. Over 260,000 people worldwide hear the gospel every single day. Is that not exciting? 260,000 people a day, and out of those, about 174,000 every day trust Christ. I get you excited. So revival is already happening. Sometimes I think it's easy to think it's out there or to pray maybe it'll come. There's never been a time in history where this many people every day have been hearing the gospel and responding to the gospel. I think the apostle Paul would have probably given anything to be able to be alive today, to have the means that we have to share our faith. He didn't have Twitter. He didn't have Facebook, (laughs) he didn't have airplanes, he didn't have an American passport that would get him into almost any country he wanted. We have tremendous, tremendous resources and opportunities. There are opportunities all around us to share the gospel. Check this out. Every day, 34,000 people are trusting Christ in South America. It hasn't always been that way. I grew up a missionary kid in South America. Tim and Nadine remember that. During that time, we were in places like Guatemala and El Salvador and Colombia and Mexico and a lot of these countries. Guatemala, we spent six months in Guatemala City and then three months in Antigua. And at that time in Guatemala, there were not many Christians. Today, it's more than 50% evangelical Christian. Okay? That is just an evidence of this 34,000 people a day that are coming to Christ. And it's because people are sharing the gospel there. It's not just an accident. It didn't just happen all of a sudden. But it's because for many years... Uh, Both missionaries and native Christians have been sharing their faith there, making a difference for Christ. Every day, over 30,000 people trust Christ in China. It's exciting. Over 25,000 a day in Africa. And just to give you perspective on that number in Africa, that's not just 25,000 have been coming to Christ every day for the last six months. That's the average over the entire decade of the 90s. Does that blow your mind? I've heard statistics that that Africa as a continent is over 50% Christian at this point. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that the church is growing dramatically there. And except for in northern Africa, Morocco, and uh, some of those countries, Tunisia, Algeria, some of those are very Muslim, and Islam is growing there, but the rest of the continent, Christianity, is spreading like wildfire. And it's because Christians are willing to share their faith. 16,000 Muslims are coming to Christ every single day. That excite you? In the United States of America, the body of Christ is decreasing because a lot of believers are are dying and not many people are sharing their faith and making new believers, right? More people are coming to Christ every day in the Muslim world than in Christian America. Muslims are hungry for Jesus. We've talked to guys for four or five hours that we met that moment. I remember there was a guy that we met in Istanbul and we couldn't catch the right ferry that we needed to the city that we were going to. And we started just sharing with this guy. We ended up going across the Bosphorus Strait and then to this other big city. And then from there, we had to take a bus somewhere else. And he was with us probably four or five hours in the whole time. All he wanted to do was hear about Jesus. They're hungry too. God is working in people's hearts. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us. God loves them as much as anybody. And he wants them to hear the good news as much as anyone else. Last time we shared here in Ignacio, I mentioned at Acts 17, 26 and 27 that, that God has determined the times and the places that you live so that men would seek Him and find Him. So you're not in Ignacio on accident. And I wanted to share a quick analogy with you from Romans ten eighteen. You can read that with me if you want. You could start in 17. You can turn there, but before we read that verse, I want to mention this short analogy. I grew up in Romania. How many of you guys have been watching the World Cup actually? I'm not a big soccer fan, but I do like the World Cup. I was very sad yesterday when we lost. We're getting ready for this wedding, and I'm out in the car listening to the radio. And there are a bunch of guys circling my car listening in, too. But the U.S. lost, for those of you that didn't hear yet. We're done. But in Romania, when I was a teenager, we were there as missionaries. And one year, in 94, Romania was in the World Cup. And I remember this was very... Dramatic. We'd sit in our living room with the windows open on the fourth floor in a city of about 400,000 people, but I'll show Romania. It's in Transylvania. It's kind of an interesting fact. And whenever Romania scored a goal, you would hear the whole city reverberate with the excitement. It would go. uh, I'd get really loud and then it would taper off again. And it was just the collective noise of living rooms across the city exploding in excitement about that goal that was scored, right? And it occurred to me, I was listening to the World Cup this year, and when America would score a goal, I didn't hear anything. None of my neighbors were screaming. and It was kind of quiet. And I thought, you know, that's the deal. I think in America, there are a couple Christians that are out there going for it with everything they've got. And that's great, but our country isn't going to be one because three or four of us are going for it. In Romania, when that goal got scored, everybody heard it because everybody was excited about it. And I think when the body of Christ, when we collectively all begin to share... Everybody will hear. (laughs) This is not something that any one of you can do alone, but as a body together, all sharing your faith as a body. And that's what Paul, I think, is talking about here in 17 and 18, when he says, "...consequently, faith comes through hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ." And then he says, "...but I asked, did they not hear? And of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world." Nobody could speak a word and have it be heard throughout the whole world. Paul is talking about Christians everywhere sharing the gospel in such a way that there was no more room for anybody to hear. In fact, in the book of Romans, he says, "I'm visiting you because there's no more work for me here." Right? I think he was writing from Corinth at the time, and, and he says, "There's no more work for me here," right? Because because they'd re- reached Macedonia north of there and Achaia where they're at, they'd reached the entire area to the point where Paul said, "I can't even, I can't even share anymore because everybody's heard." So that's the goal. All of us together reaching out as a body, and sharing the good news. So I want to get right into this training, and you guys are all going to need pens, probably. I don't want this to be theory today. I want you guys to walk away with some actual tools. There are three different types of evangelism, three different modes, we would say. There are a lot of types, but there are three different modes, and this might help you kind of, in your mind, differentiate what each conversation is like. The first one is natural evangelism. You might want to write that on your notes. It's natural evangelism. And this is the kind that a lot of people find somewhat comfortable. And this is basically just sharing with your sphere of influence throughout the natural course of your friendship. You have a neighbor. You talk together. The conversation veers towards a spiritual topic you end up sharing your testimony, or your faith, or you invite them to church, or something like this. That's what we call natural evangelism. It's probably one of the least difficult types of evangelism. It just kind of naturally comes up in the course of a relationship. Does that make sense? So that's one type of evangelism. A lot of times Christians say, that's the type I do. I hope you do that. That's good. But that's not the only way. The next kind is what we call body evangelism. (laughs) And this is kind of what Jesus was talking about in John 13:35, where the world would know that we're his disciples by the love we have for each other. And this is when you invite somebody to church in particular, or to a retreat, or to a Christian concert, or to a Bible study, where you're inviting a non-Christian to a Christian thing. And they come and they look at you guys in this room. Like, let's say you're having a potluck, and they observe. Wow, nobody cussed at each other. And they actually liked each other. And they actually were interested in what was going on in each other's lives. And then they prayed for each other. And then Sue walked up and talked to me. They're seeing Jesus in you. And that's powerful. I remember this atheist, and he came to one of our retreats. He didn't come to Christ yet, at least, but he was shocked by the Christians there. And this is kind of a typical thing. People come and tell us, this is the most fun I've ever had, and I didn't even get drunk. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? They, They just can't believe that people really love each other. Because they don't see that in the world. The world is self-driven. It's selfish ambition. And it's me, me, me. And then they come and they see the body of Christ, and it's it's not me, me, me. It's we want to love each other. We want to serve each other because we love and serve Christ, right? So that's the body witness. So you got the two. The natural witness, the body witness. Now the third is the most difficult, guys. It's the most difficult. It's the one Christians oftentimes don't want to do. I would say from personal experience, it's not necessarily the most fruitful as far as results, at least not initially, but it is the most fruitful as far as growing to be a witness for Christ. And it's the most fruitful at dealing with your own fears, and it's the most fruitful at learning and training so that you're much better at the other two. And it does have fruit too, okay? And that's what we would call the ministry witness or ministry evangelism. That's when Tim calls you and says, let's go share our faith together and you think, oh, I don't want to do that. It terrifies me. Well, maybe not all of you think that. Some of you might enjoy it. But that's when you're actually going out, meeting people you've never met before with the intention and purpose of getting into a spiritual conversation with them. Now, unfortunately, in America today, a lot of Christians have almost come to believe a lie that that is wrong, that we shouldn't do that. We have college students at times say, that's wrong, just to go up and you got to befriend them first. You've got to get to know them first. And I would, I would challenge you to look at Scripture. The first two types of evangelism are almost non-existent in Scripture. Ministry evangelism happens on almost every page of the New Testament, at least in the book of Acts. What did Peter do in the beginning of Acts? He's talking to thousands of people he's never met before. Look at the book of Romans. We just quoted from it. You go to the last chapter, he's talking to people. I think it's a penitent that was there at Pentecost that became a Christian there and became a leader at the church in Rome, right? Ministry evangelism happening and producing fruit that continues to multiply. (laughs) This is pretty exciting. What I want to bring up today are some ways that you could get into conversations in a natural way, whether it's in a ministry sense or in a natural sense or the body sense. But I wanted you to be able to distinguish between those three and to realize they're all important and they all have a place. And every time you go out doing ministry evangelism, you're going to get better at the other two. You're going to be able to bring up Christ in your natural conversations a lot better if you've been practicing bringing up Christ with strangers. And conversely, if you're not learning to bring up Christ with strangers, you're probably going to have a lot of fear and insecurity about bringing him up with people that you do love, right? And it's going to be a lot more difficult. So it's kind of, does that help to kind of like see those three different modes, we would call them, those three different areas, and to realize that they each have a place and that they're each important, and they're not all the same? I could give examples of all those, of people that were desperately hungry for Christ. I want to keep it kind of short. I'll share a wall in, Kelly. I'll cut out my other examples. This is kind of a natural evangelism issue. Back in college, I worked at this skate and snowboard shop, and I would always carry a little pocket Bible. It has now been replaced by my iPod, which has the Bible on it. And every day at the end of work, we had to do a a pocket check where we would pull out all the contents of our pockets and show each other so that we knew that we weren't taking stuff home. And so I was the closing manager, and then she was just one of the helpers that night. It was just the two of us. We'd only worked a few other times, I think only once before, but she saw that I had a Bible after we closed. And so I'm counting the cash drawer, and, and she just tells me, she says, So are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, how do you you know? And she said, well, I saw your Bible. And she said, direct quote, she said, God would never forgive me. I've had too much sex. And I said, why in the world would you ever think that? And we started going over the gospel and how God desperately longed for a relationship with her. This was natural, right? This is just, we're at work. This conversation comes up in the natural course of life. This is an example of natural evangelism. And she ended up trusting Christ that night right there behind the counter. And the next Sunday, she brings her boyfriend to church. Now, here's kind of an example of the body witness, right? She's bringing her boyfriend to church where he can see the body of Christ. And her boyfriend comes up to me afterwards. He says, I'm really successful. He was younger than me at the time. He was 20, 21. He said, I have a concrete pumping company in Vegas that I own. He says, I have a $500,000 home in Vegas. No mortgage, no debt. It's paid off. I have nice cars. I have money. I'm just sitting here in Durango living the good life. I don't even have to work because other people run the business. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing for a 21-year-old or however old you are. And you know what he tells me? He says, if you can't tell me how to have Christ in my life, I will kill myself. Can you believe this? Because he says none of that stuff matters. And he says, I've I've hurt people to get where I'm at. I've run over people. And he goes, I can't even sleep at night because I have so much guilt and shame. And Aaron and I were there. And so we said, let's go out to eat. (laughs) So we took him out to eat, and then we went back to his apartment, and he trusted Christ that night. Now, that's just one example of two of those forms of evangelism working together. And what I want to do today is do a few activities that would help you have that conversation. What if somebody at work said, are you a Christian? What does that mean? Like, how would you respond? Or what if they didn't even say that? What if you were initiating the conversation, right? And so, there are some good ways that, some good tools that you can use to, to get in kind of the driver's seat to, to bring that conversation around to Christ. And it all comes from Colossians 4 5. It says, Make the most of every opportunity, guys. Your opportunities, I don't know what they are. <laughs> That's between you and the Holy Spirit to determine what an opportunity is. And usually, we know whether or not we're obedient is a different situation. But hopefully, this will help you have a game plan for being obedient to the Holy Spirit when an opportunity is there. Whether that's somebody that you're just randomly crossing paths with, or a relative over Thanksgiving, or somebody new that comes to your church. Just because somebody pops into church some Sunday does not mean they're a Christian. We had a guy that came to church one year, and he has kind of a prominent position in our town, so I will leave in Durango, so I will leave that unnamed. But everybody in our church kept saying, Can you believe that guy is a believer? Can you believe he's a believer? He's been coming to our church. Can you believe... He has that position, and he's a believer, and it's so awesome. And Aaron and I and Austin and Laura, we had him over to our house for dinner. Austin and Laura were staying with us, uh, coincidentally, that weekend. And we had this guy over for dinner. And we're sitting there barbecuing and then eating, and he just out of the blue. He goes, you know, I've been going to all these churches, but I've never had that ray of sunshine in the face experience. And I don't know what's going on, but I'm looking, but I'm not really seeing anything. And I told the guy, I said, you know, maybe that's because God didn't, Intend for that deepest need to be met in a church, but by Him personally. And I said the church is good, but you have to have that connection with God first. And he goes, "That's the deepest thing I've ever heard." <laughs> I said, "That's because it's pretty much straight from Jesus, you know." But yeah. but don't assume that just because somebody steps in your church, they're a believer, right? Reach out to them, talk to them, get to know them, because they might be searching, and that's why they showed up at church that day, and they need somebody that'll that'll get into the gospel with them. Okay, so we're going to talk about the four sound barriers. Have you guys ever heard that term before? I don't know who came up with this. I know Campus Crusade for Christ kind of uses it some, but I can't find any description of it, even on their websites. This is kind of out there. Some people know about it. You can't really find a whole lot of information on it, but it's a really super good tool, and we'll do some activities. You could jot this down. We'll keep it kind of simple. Last time that we shared here... I asked you to write down some things that you find yourself already talking about. Do you remember that? And we didn't have a whole lot of time, so I don't know if people got around to writing it down or not. You could write down five or ten things that you find yourself talking about. And I challenged everybody, Matthew twelve thirty-four, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So hopefully God is on that list somewhere, because that list is going to tell you a lot about where your priorities are and whether you truly love God as much as you think you do. And I'll just say as a note, evangelism, it's a lot less of a duty than it is a natural conversation about what you love most. And Jesus said, you're going to talk about what you love, right? But write down what you are talking about real quickly, because we're going to use that list in a minute to work with these four sound barriers, okay? So write out five or ten things that you naturally find yourself talking about. I'll just throw one of mine out. And that would be baseball, okay? Because I might use that in a minute as an example. So just take one or two minutes and write out a few of those things. It could be anything. It could be a sport. It could be a hobby. It could be your work. It could be news. It could be the oil spill down in, in the Gulf. It could be. It could be anything that you find yourself talking about. If you have any trouble with this, you can ask your spouse. They would probably know what you talk about a lot. Weather counts. What? Yeah, absolutely weather counts. Yeah, definitely. If you talk about it, write it down. <laughs> keep thinking while I talk and keep writing. But if you're thinking about opportunities, they're likely going to come up more often in the natural course of your life. And probably, if you can find the five or ten things that you're talking a lot about, I bet those are going to be opportunities, whether you recognize them or not. You'll be in a conversation about the weather with your neighbor. Whoa, that's an opportunity. So if we can start to learn how to take these natural conversations that are occurring and get to the gospel from them, that's powerful. So, okay, hopefully you all have five or ten, but we're going to keep going. If you don't, that's okay, because it will all make sense as we go along. And maybe more will come to your mind later. These four sound barriers represent four specific times in sharing the gospel where noise has to come out of your mouth, and you naturally don't want it to, <laughs> okay? Maybe you aren't super excited about noise coming out of your mouth, but it has to if this person's going to hear about Christ, right? Romans ten fourteen. How can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? Okay, so each one of these has to be crossed intentionally. They don't usually just randomly happen, although sometimes they might might be like this guy, Wally, that said, I'll kill myself if I don't hear about Christ. Wow, that's awesome. The first sound barrier, guys, is just meeting somebody and starting a conversation. It's probably pretty obvious that has to happen before you can share the gospel with somebody. You have to meet them and get into a conversation about something. If you just walk up to somebody and say, the Bible says you're going to hell and you need to trust Christ. (laughs) It's great. And... I think you're a lunatic, right? I don't know. Maybe God could use even that. I'm not going to say he couldn't, right? I've seen God do some awesome stuff. Tim was telling an example where he shared a very bold statement with a guy, and it had a very dramatic effect. So there might be times where God calls you to do something like that, so obey him. But in the natural course of life, before you can get to the gospel, right, it's important to meet somebody and get into a conversation. So... How would you do that? How would you meet somebody that you don't know? Let's say you're in a coffee shop. Anybody have an idea? How would that work? Have you looked at the news lately? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's something. Yeah, golly, I can't believe what's going on. That golf spill is driving me crazy. Yeah, so what just happened? What did you just do? You took the initiative, right? And you're picking something that's out in the open. Everybody's thinking about it. And most people are going to go, yeah, I can't believe that thing. That drives me nuts. What's BP thinking down there? You know? Right? All of a sudden, there's this conversation that has just started. What if you don't say anything else? What if you just end there? What happens? It's probably the end of it. If you want to get a conversation going and keep it going, often, exactly what you did, questions are the key. Questions are the key. If I'm standing in line at a coffee shop, it's real easy to say, What's the best thing on the menu? What's your favorite drink here? Or, gosh, have you seen what's going on in the news? Or if there's a long line, you could say something like, oh, my gosh, this is a long line, isn't it? How long have you been waiting? I don't know. You could be creative. Just think of different questions that might come up. Find something on that person that you could connect with. I remember we were in Romania once. We picked this one guy, and it was me and a few of our students. I said, now, how are we going to get into a conversation with that guy? We looked at him for a minute, and then it occurred to us, I had a video camera, he did. They're almost identical video cameras. So I just walked up to him and I said, hey, can I look at your video camera? It's almost identical to mine. See right here? We just start comparing. And from there, we met this person and started a conversation. See, that's pretty simple, right? Could you? Could any of you guys do that in here? Could all of you guys do that in here? Nadine can do that. Nadine can do that. It's the, the gift of gab, I think they call it. it, is a wonderful gift from God to be able to put somebody at ease. And any of you guys can do it, whether you're natural at this or not. And the idea would be to kind of come up with your own personal questions that you could use frequently, okay? And all of you guys could do that with a little bit of thought. And that's something we're going to do today. And this is a good book, Tactics by Gregory Kokel. And it goes through a lot of this stuff, like asking the right questions to get into good conversations. And then using those to direct the conversation towards Christ. And I'll just summarize kind of what he says. Start with what questions. Start with what questions. That is showing the other person that you're interested in them and what they think. What do you think about that news situation that's going on? What is your favorite drink on the menu, right? And so you're starting a conversation asking them to tell you about themselves. And in this self-driven society, not many people take the time to ask somebody their opinion and and to figure out where they're coming from. That is kind, it's polite, it's hospitable, and it's going to leave a very good impression with that person that you genuinely are interested in, in where they're at and what they think. As that conversation progresses, and we'll talk about using transition questions, you can start to ask that person what they think about spiritual issues. This is getting into sound barrier number two, which would be transitioning into a spiritual conversation from a natural conversation so we're going from the gulf spill to spirituality in general not necessarily the gospel yet although that might come up kind of quickly mine is baseball okay let's say i'm talking to somebody about baseball nadine is right there with me what can i say that would start to transition in in the direction of the gospel i could say something like this this is real natural I did this with a guy in Walmart, actually. This guy said, he saw my Cardinal hat. He said, are you a Cardinal fan? I said, yeah. He goes, me too. And it turns out he was a believer. But anyway, I could ask somebody, who's your favorite team? Who's your favorite player? Get that what information from them. And then I can share mine with them, too. They'll probably even ask me, what about you? What's your favorite team? Okay, I could say, I love the Cardinals, and I really love Albert Pujols. This guy's awesome. He's one of the greatest players that's ever played. But I respect him for something even bigger. He really takes a stand for his faith. And he's very public about that. Then okay? I could just say, now what about you? What do you what's, what's your faith? What do you believe about spirituality? See, that was a very non-awkward transition from a natural conversation about baseball into a spiritual conversation. Does that make sense? I haven't shared the gospel with this person yet, but I've asked him again that what question in such a way that we're directing the conversation towards the gospel. Right? And it's real natural. Okay, so skip to activity number two. This will be good. I want you guys to think of some natural questions like that one based on the topics that you wrote down a minute ago. So you probably each wrote down some topics that you find yourself talking about. What kind of question could you use to bring up a spiritual topic from those topics that you're already talking about? So think about it a minute, and then we're going to have you guys share some of your answers get a little discussion going here. What are some of the topics you guys have?
1: How about the economy? The economy. Uh, I mean, there's like I said a lot to do with the news because I mean, yeah. like, I'm just being bombarded with such negativity yeah. constantly. Yeah. It's got people so hurting, man, and it's just stuff like that. It gives me a lot of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Okay, so the
0: news. So Yeah. From all that negativity, what's a transition question you could use? That would bring up a spiritual conversation.
1: Yeah, well, ask them about if they know about anything about the Bible at all, or anything about mm-hmm. end of days, or anything to those mm-hmm. effects, because, uh, you know, I mean, and where they are and how they feel about these things. Yeah,
0: so that's a natural... What's that? What are you trusting in? What, yeah, What? Are, what's your trust? What's your hope? If any of you guys had news, that's a good transition question right there. What are some other topics you might have?
1: Hey, um, last night I was at a wedding reception... We were sitting at a table, and I knew one couple, couple, but I didn't know the rest, and the man that was, it was so noisy, it was hard to talk into the group. The man sitting next to me, we got onto the topic of, you know, it was sort of like, I i found out what we had in common, mm-hmm. and it moved very quickly to the fact that he was a veteran, a Vietnam veteran, and then I was able to say, you know, I was a Navy nurse, and then he wow. quickly moved to the topic of Obama and the war. Mm-hmm. And he's a man that was in Vietnam, he was a medic, and of course I had a background as a medic, so we got excited about talking about that. And then he told me about, well then he just started talking, talking mm-hmm. talking about his, because he was shot twice. Wow. And then he told me a story about, he was rapping somebody, he, he was very injured, the person was injured and and then someone attacked a tank and they said "This injuries over there at that tank. Get over there. And he, you know, he was still wrapping this one man. So the other man said to him, uh, the soldier, I'll get the other medic. I'll get over there. And when the other medic got over there, he was shot and killed. And so, and he told me, he said, basically, I think my hesitation that few seconds, that man gave up his life for me. He got oh. teary-eyed a little bit about it, just telling me that story. And, and he's not a Christian. But he told me the answer is, we, you know, we need to love. We need to mm-hmm. love, you know, because he told us some funny things, too. And I said about things that happened, amazing coincidences, mm-hmm. you know, how he ended up being there in the first place, because he didn't take one extra college credit course during that time frame, so that automatically made him eligible for the draft. That's how he ended up in Vietnam, sort of. You know, mm-hmm. one, one credit that I'm shy of it. But, um, and I just, all I said to him, one thing I said, you know, I think Divine Providence has been, mm-hmm. you know, following you around because there was so many amazing things. But then later on he said, I see you're spiritual, but I'm not, you know, I don't mm-hmm. believe, but he has all this anger.
0: Okay, you mentioned something. You're asking what questions. You're going to show them that you care, and they're going con- to be very put at ease by you. But more than that happens, you start to build bridges. You start to build some relatability. You can do this with anyone. You can relate to anyone out there. You just have to ask enough questions to figure out where you connect and where you relate. And you're, you were doing this with, oh, you were in the medical. I was in the medical. You were in the, in the Army. I was in the Navy. You, know? you, you were starting to build these bridges with them of relatability. And then you were asking more questions that brought up a spiritual topic. What about divine providence? You were helping... I
1: felt bad, I didn't.
0: It's the good-bad split. There's good and there's bad, okay? And not everything's all good except God, and not everything's all bad (laughs) except Satan. I'm guessing. (laughs) Okay? And so you can realize, man, you could have done better, And, and that's great to know for next time. But realize, too, you did really good using some of these questions to build some relatability, to bring up a spiritual topic. And now, with some of these other questions, we're going to learn how you could take that the next step and actually get into the gospel. And so he's being real frank and honest with you. You're spiritual. I'm not. What's another way to translate what that guy is saying? I'm comfortable talking to you about spiritual issues. right? I'm comfortable talking to you about this stuff. He was not offended by you. He probably considers you very gracious. I bet you might see him again. Who knows? I don't know. And if you don't, you can pray for him, right?
1: He used to do for on a fair amount of profanity. He didn't That's fine. slander the name of God. Yeah. And I saw his wife's eyes getting big. <laughs> <laughs> he was talking. It, you know? yeah. Hey. But I wasn't offended because I, he just.
0: Have you ever heard this? If you throw a rock into a, a pack of dogs, the one that yelps the loudest is the one that got hit. Right. Probably there was a nerve that was getting touched. And it's probably been a long time since that nerve got touched. Who cares how much profanity he used? I mean, he's not a believer yet. The issue isn't getting him to act like a believer, but getting him to know a Savior. Because then God will God'll change that, right? God will change that. All you were... Was an open vessel willing to let God use you. And you're asking some questions. Okay, what are some. So let's get some more. Isn't that good though? That's a. Give her a hand, dude. That's a good example of using. (laughs) No, yeah, but you accidentally followed a very good guideline for getting into a spiritual conversation and sharing the gospel. And it was the Holy Spirit working in you. So it wasn't accidental. He was saying, take the next step, take the next step, take the next step. You're right. And you were being obedient. I would have got just. Had her there to plant a seed. Yeah. That was a big part. Right. You might not get more than a couple seconds with somebody all the time. But, you know, you can know that you at least went in the direction God was leading you and you planted a seed. And that guy's probably sitting there today going, it's Sunday morning. Gosh, this wonderful lady that was kind to me last night got me thinking about spiritual issues all over again. You don't know how many stories I've heard of people Sunday morning saying, you know what, okay, I'm going to give God one more shot. And they walk into a church randomly and get saved. That might happen to him this morning. And someday you might meet him in eternity and find out that that one little conversation inspired so much more.
1: He said to me, that man gave his life for me. And I knew I should be saying, and there's someone out there that Mm -hmm. gave his life for you. You know... But I, I didn't, I, you know. But that's what he said, yeah. and he's still haunted by these nightmares that he
0: was, you know. Well, let's just pray for him right now. God, we just thank you for this man, whatever his name is. I pray that you would put people in this path today that would share the gospel with him, and I pray that it wouldn't just be one or two. I pray that he would keep hearing this, God. I pray that he would not be able to sleep, God, that he'd just be thinking of these questions that he would be burning to know. Who you are and what you offer and what you promise. God, He's in your hands, and we thank you that you desire that He would be saved. Lord God, we love you. Amen. Okay, so that's a perfect example of transition questions and getting this conversation going and rolling, and transitioning into a spiritual conversation. Did anybody have one more? Recognizing God's creation, and our environment, uh-huh. and ourselves yeah. be outside or inside—just you know, yeah, bring that up. that's real big around here. I always refer people to Romans 1.20, where it talks about nature expressing the invisible attributes of God's character. What were you going to say, Nathan? I bought a couch from a guy in Denver,
1: Uh
0: and it started off just as a conversation of just names and stuff, and Mm -hmm. it turned out this guy was, uh, his name was Yossi, Hmm. and he he was a
1: Jew from Israel who
0: was, he traded diamonds for a living. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know, he lived in Denver, and it was really interesting because he started asking me about my family and my kids' names, and started asking, you know, he wanted he recognized, I guess, I don't know, maybe some of the names were
1: biblical or something. But started asking me, "Oh, is that name from the Torah?" Or you know, yeah. fascinating conversation because we talked about the news, and uh, this guy was completely—he was a non-religious Jew. Mm-hmm. And
0: he had such a high level of anxiety about war and what's going to happen to Israel. You could ask what questions right there again. Gosh, what do you think the significance of what the Bible says will happen in Israel is? Whoa, okay. I was talking to a, a Jewish guy in Telluride on the gondola, and we were just asking some what questions with that guy, and it was bringing out all sorts of stuff, I mean, it was unbelievable. You'll find if you just take the initiative to be kind and ask some questions, your conversations are going to go in that direction pretty naturally. Especially if that's your goal and your intention. You could even throw out leading questions, and he gets into that in this book a lot too. I would, you know, I would ask people, "What did you do last weekend?" Okay, because I know they're probably going to ask me, "I party," blah blah blah. What did you do last weekend? And then I can tell them what, what's something you did this weekend. I went to church. Really? You went to church? What church did you go to? Oh, ICC. Really? Is that a Christian church? Yeah, it is a Christian. What What about you? What kind of background do you have in that? So you can ask a leading question like that that will pretty naturally get you in to the gospel as well. Okay. Okay. So hopefully you guys have some natural questions that come out of... Conversation topics that you already have that would help you bring up a spiritual conversation. Now, that's not the end of it, though. If you end at a spiritual conversation, that's a seed planted, right, and that's good, but hopefully you're not satisfied with all your conversations ending there, right, because you want to share the gospel with this person. You want this person to know about Jesus Christ, so you want to transition again. So the first barrier is meeting somebody and getting into a conversation, second barrier is bringing up a spiritual conversation. The third barrier is actually going in the next step and bringing up the gospel from a spiritual conversation. So you're not just talking about divine providence now, which is kind of a spiritual conversation, but you're going in the next step and talking about Jesus Christ and what he offers. That's the third sound barrier. Now, some ways that you could come up with this, you again, use questions, and we've been mentioning some. I'm going to give you one. You've got to write this down. It might have, yeah, it's right there. It's under sound barrier number three. It says, what has been your experience with Christianity? Just circle that thing. What has been your experience with Christianity? That is a very non-threatening question. It's another what question that you're trying to get information about them. You're inviting them to tell you about themselves, which they're going to be very happy about. And it's bringing up Christ out of a spiritual conversation. I did that to this guy at the train station. I had Kara, our brand new baby, she was four days old. It was right after we saw you. We saw Tim, and then we were going to the train, remember? That afternoon, Aaron took Eliana one way, and I had Kara in her stroller right next to this vendor. And I just asked him, I said, is there a way to get back out from this direction, because it kind of went back and around the train station? And he says, oh yeah, the door right there. And as soon as he said that, Aaron said, okay, I'll be in there. So Aaron went through the door. And then I I just turned around to the guy, and I just said, so, how's business been today? He said, pretty good. I said, so you from Durango, or what what are you doing here? He said, actually, I'm from Farmington. Okay, so again, these what questions. Where are you from, what, where, whatever. I'm trying to get information about him. And then I just said, oh, that's interesting. Okay, here's the intentional direction setting. I said, I'm in full-time ministry, and we were trying to get a little ministry started at the campus in Farmington. We just really don't have enough manpower right now. So hopefully in the next few years, it'll work out. But I said, what about you? What's been your experience with Christianity? I just used that question right there. It was pretty natural. Kind of transitioned quick because we didn't have a lot of time. But he took it. He goes, you know what? I went to Bible college. And I said, really? That's interesting. I said, where do you stand with Jesus right now? I thought the guy was going to cry. He said, Jesus knows where I stand with Jesus. And I just said, really? So what does that mean? And he just started telling me the same old line, oh, I'm really mad at organized religion. You guys ask him what questions. What do you mean by organized religion? Most people have no idea what they mean by that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but this guy, we, see, that question, guys, is like pure gold because it's a non-threatening way to bring up Jesus Christ in any conversation pretty quickly. You see that? You could think of some other ones, but don't forget that one. You might think of some others that you like more than that or as much as that, but use that one because it's really powerful. Now here's the last thing I wanted to mention, the last sound barrier. The last sound barrier is actually putting the ball in their court. A lot of Christians will tell somebody the gospel or parts of the gospel, but they never ask that person to make a decision. They never say, now you have to make a decision about what Jesus claims. See, it's another awkward point in the conversation, right? It feels kind of strange to say that. It feels almost like you're violating their boundaries. But by this point, you've built a rapport with this person, and you've been very kind and hospitable, and tried to get information about them. So you hopefully have built enough of a connection, even in a short period of time, where you could ask a question like that, or where you could put the ball in their court. If you don't invite the person to make a decision, then you're leaving the biggest part out, because it's just a story if you don't let that person know that they have a decision to make. Jesus did this every time he talked to somebody. He challenged them to decide. He challenged them to follow him. Jim Elliot put it this way. He said, God, make me a T in the road, not just a mile post along the way, so that men would have to go right or left on facing you and me. Isn't that good? And that's what we want to be. We want to be the kind of people that'll be gracious and kind and friendly and hospitable and ask questions, be intentional about bringing up a spiritual topic in a very kind and hospitable way, and then turning around and saying in love, but there's there's this T. And you're going to have to decide whether you follow Christ or reject Christ. And you can't go on living without making that decision. That's the fourth sound barrier. And there are some great ways to do that. I'm going to just mention one today, and then we'll be done. Okay, because it's about time to be done. But the four sound barriers, again, meeting somebody and getting into a conversation, awkward, but you found it's not difficult. If you are intentional and use some good questions, it's easy. Number two, bringing up a spiritual conversation. If You can think through some questions beforehand related to topics that you're already talking about. Maybe it's news, maybe it's sports, maybe it's who knows what. You'll find that you can easily direct Regular conversations towards a spiritual conversation. Number three, sound barrier number three, is actually bringing up the gospel out of that spiritual conversation. Again, potentially an awkward point. But again, with a conversation like, what has been your experience with Christianity? You've intentionally brought up Christ. And then from there, you can say, well, is it okay if I share my story with you about Christianity? Or you could say, "Could I share with you what Jesus promises? Could I share with you what Jesus said to you personally? There are a lot of ways that you could then bring up this spiritual conversation, including the gospel. And then finally, after you share the whole, all the points of the gospel, you can invite them to make a decision to trust Christ. The fourth sound barrier, the most important one, because it's actually letting them know they have to decide. And that's what Jesus did every single time. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you guys a tool. i got to keep that one. I don't know if they're enough here. I just grabbed everything I had in my house. Four spiritual laws. Some people love them, some people hate them. I don't care what you think. It's just a tool. If you hate it, throw it in the trash can. I have a friend that became a Christian because he got attracted out of a trash can. Now he's the pastor of a church. It's pretty sweet. But anyway, so even if you hate it and throw it away, maybe God will use it then too. (laughs) But these are a neat little tool. These are, and there's some Spanish ones here. If you have any Spanish friends or Hispanic friends, these are a neat little tool. And what's good is they're concise. They go through the whole gospel, all the major points of the gospel. And they include a natural way to bring up that decision at the end. There are two circles. Next time we do a training here, like in July, we can go over some ideas about using this tool. But it has two circles. And you can describe two lives, the life without Christ, the life with Christ. And then you can ask somebody a very easy question. And it's right there in the booklet. Which circle best represents your life? Nine out of ten times, somebody tells me, the one on the left, the one without Christ. And then you can ask the next question, which circle would you like to represent your life? And a lot of people say, the one on the right. Remember we did this with Wash Kamash, that guy. Uh, I prayed for him this morning. Gosh, God, want him to yourself. And a lot of times, then you could just ask, would you like to know how you could get from the first circle to the second circle? And you can explain to them how they can trust Christ. Okay? This is just a small tool. You can use it. If you have a better one, use that one. The main idea is to find a way to get that gospel shared and to actually bring that person to a point of decision. Just a note on tools, if you use you know surveys or different tools, you can easily get through the first and second sound barriers. If you use a tool like this, it easily and naturally can get you through the third and fourth sound barrier. I carry one in my wallet. What if you would have had one last night in your purse, and the guy is like, blah, 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 about spirituality? And you could say, yeah, I am very spiritual. Do you mind if I kind of share four small points from the Bible about what Jesus says to you personally? And then likely by that point that guy likes you enough that he'd say, sure, go ahead, you know. And, gosh. Yeah. Okay, Here, here's the closing story. Here's the closing story. The harvest is so ripe guys. people so desperately desire to know Christ, even if they don't know it. <laughs> he said that the harvest is ripe. But get this. I was witnessing to a, to a homeless guy in Denver at a food court. This is a few years back. And he's being very belligerent and argumentative. I bought him lunch, and I think that's all he was interested in. I don't think he was interested in the gospel at all. But he's just blah, 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 you know. I probably was with him for 45 minutes talking through stuff, and he's asking all these weird questions. Naturally, I would have bailed on that conversation because I don't think he was interested. But for some reason, I was there, and it was God. Because here's what was happening in the other room. We kind of left into this kind of solarium-type room, this windowed-in room. I keep looking back, and here's my wife talking to a businessman in a suit and tie who had come up from his office to get lunch. So I get in there, and she goes, you're never going to believe what's happening. This guy walks up to me, and he said, Is that guy bothering your husband? (laughs) And she said, No, he's trying to share Jesus with the guy. And the guy goes, Well, what is is he sharing with them? (laughs) So my wife goes, Do you have a minute? I can show you these four laws with you. So she goes through the four-law booklet with this businessman, and he, he trusts Christ right there in the food court on his lunch break. His name was Jason. You can pray for him. Okay? Is that not cool? So here I am distracted with a belligerent drunk guy, and my wife leads a businessman to Christ in the food court. So God is awesome, right? God can do it. And I want to encourage you guys to take the initiative to share and to be intentional about trying to share. Let's pray because probably gonna, Randall's going to get mad at us if we don't get over there. <laughs> no, he won't. Okay, Lord, God, we thank you for the privilege of sharing you with a world that desperately needs you. And we thank you that you've called us to be co-laborers with you. God, it's obvious that you could reach this whole world without any one of us here. It's not like you need us. But, God, it's tremendously encouraging and awesome that you've chosen to use us, God. What a privilege. I'm reminded of John the Baptist who didn't even consider himself worthy to untie your sandal, God, or, or the disciples that were overjoyed that you found them worthy to suffer persecution for you, God. And I realize that so often my heart does not see evangelism as an opportunity or a privilege, but rather as a duty that I'm not interested in. God, so change my heart. God, I want to be excited about the privilege to take a step of faith, trusting you, Lord God, you're so awesome. We love you so much. Amen. Guys, do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Okay? Trust Him. And ask Him to be a part of those conversations.